I love when you mess with people's universe and watching the reaction to a messed universe. What's this piece of paper? Do I have to have one? Why? What? What are you going to do to me? Am I signing my life away? What's happening? So fun watching you all come in, different reactions. Some people acted like they had never been given a piece of paper in their life. Oh, thank you. I'll frame it. And, you know, and, and then others are like, yeah, whatever, I'll do it. So, and then you had the sneakies. And then the sneakies, Sneaky. people trying to get I got to give credit. One. Number one most sneaky person in the room was Megan. <laughs> Megan just, she saw me handing out papers. She's like, blown by. I'm not doing That's homework today. Fun. So we, we have got, we've got a, a really fun uh, experience to do today in church, and having handed that to you, some of your, your anxiety is always already raised significantly because you like coming in, sitting, listening, leaving. I promise you, we're not going to do anything so intimidating that, you'll, that you will be um, put on edge. I promise you. So, good to have you here today. I noticed something this week that was, in my mind, amazing, wonderful, awesome. Did you see that at 5.30 at night it was light? Oh, wasn't that the best? Wasn't that the best? It was like one night I, I'm doing something. I'm like, it's light. I out. can still see. Oh, and then this morning I woke up. You know, I wake up kind of early to get ready for church. And I woke up and while it was not blazing light, there was a touch of light. And I went, yay, it's finally happening. And, and it's, it's weird to think that we're, we're literally just a few weeks away from time change. Yep. I mean, it's really close. I had a terrible <clears throat> experience, though, on... I believe it was Wednesday. Wednesday morning, walk outside, it's 45 degrees, and everything is wonderful. I turn on the radio. I literally was thinking, wow, spring is almost here. And I knew, I told myself, I was like, don't get too far ahead of it, Brian. You know that there's probably one more snow in the forecast. And no sooner than that thought ran through my brain did I turn on the radio, and they said, winter storm alert. I was like, I quit. Well, it's funny that God, like, God erased all the old stuff and said, you need more. <laughs> Boom, here we go again. So very fun week. Uh, there was just a lot going on. This was, this was the first week that I, I was involved in all the groups that I'm doing for Rooted. And so to, to have all those different engagements was, was I thought, really incredible. And, and the thing that I think I love that came out of, the, out of the week and out of the times with the groups, I had more deep after conversations than like ever, you know? And I, I, I love that, that people were really, they're like, they're, they're thinking deeply about verses and whatever and just really wanting to dive in and understand more or make observations. It was, it was, a, it was a very stimulating week that week. Very, uh, very, just, I, I loved it. It was wonderful. How'd kids do this week? Really well. <clears throat> uh, I, I think, as with anybody, right, having a guide you know, being able to come prepared with at least one thing is always helpful, kind of sets you at ease. Uh, but we had some, some students step up that, um, that kind of surprised us. And not surprised us in a, wow, I can't believe they did something way, but surprised us in a way that was like, wow, that was, that was really deep. That's really cool. So uh, very encouraging. And we are actually on pace to do our prayer experience this week as well. So it's good. It all, it good. all works out. It's fun. It's so I've really enjoyed interacting with the rooted people and all that they've, all they've done to get us going on this journey. And, uh, you know, getting, getting all those workbooks for everybody, that was a little intimidating up front. We didn't want to order a whole bunch, have a whole bunch left over. So we were kind of going along the way. And then the student book, of course, it was funny. They opened one of the student books. It was missing a section. And so we had to get a replacement. And they want me to take a picture, you know, to prove that it needed 
to be replaced, blah, blah, blah. They're finally ready to send it, and you find another one. They wanted a picture of that one. So then they send the new book, and the new book is an adult book, not a kid book. So all the books are here today. All of them. Everybody officially, finally, <laughs> nobody has to get a partial photocopy anymore. Yeah. Uh, all the kids get their own book, which is, which is wonderful. So let me, let me cover a couple things that were in the update yesterday. Um, we, we are, you're working on that workbook now, working through it. And, and this week we move to uh, week three, which is called, How Does God Speak? How Does God Speak? And you're, you're going to... Uh, you're going to hear all kinds of different ways that God interacts with us in our world. The, the very first day, it just talks about the fact that he does a lot of speaking right here. He wrote this book for a reason, and he wants to speak to us through this book. So, and then they're going to talk about other ways that God, God reveals himself to us. So what I'm going to start giving up on is telling you where you should be in the workbook. And the reason I'm going to stop doing that is because everybody's in kind of a little different place. And so if I say you should be here by today, some of you are going to go, oh, no, and go home and do like 10 lessons at <laughs> once. So because I have a Friday group, uh, we're literally, we started week three on, on, Friday, on Saturday, you know, the week for three devotionals, where others of you, if you're not in a group, you finished all of week three and, and you know, and are, are ready to go for this morning. So we're all in different places. The main thing with that is just continue to engage with it. And, and one of the things I'd really encourage you on is if we're already a week in, just a week in, and, um, and you're like, yeah, I couldn't find my book, dog ate it, um, all that kind of stuff, it's time to knuckle down, buckle down fast. Because if, if already at this stage you're starting to have a lot of, I'm not quite getting it or whatever, uh, you, need, you need to retool it real quick, or by the time you're done, you're going to be able to resell your book on Amazon. So, um, so make sure you just really start to get into that. We've encouraged you that if, if, it, if you're coming down to the night of your group and, and you've missed a few, make sure you at least do one and do that one really well. And it seems so far that the one you'd want to do is day five. Mm -hmm. So far, that's, that's always kind of a culmination day. So make sure you're doing that fifth day as you walk into your group. But, but we really want to encourage you to keep going through it. The groups I was with this week, you know, it's interesting because we have, we have a confidentiality agreement. Don't share what happens in group. And then people give me all these great examples that I, that I can't talk about. Uh, so I have to actually go and get permission. Do you mind if without your name I use you as an example today? But um, <clears throat> I think what I loved about all the groups I'm in, is that everybody gets pressed a little differently. There, there, isn't a, there isn't a universal response. This was the day that hit me. There isn't a universal response, even on questions, that God is really taking all of us, based on where we are, He's taking all of us in a little bit different direction. And so that, that's been really, I, I think, wonderful. So continue to work through that group, that book. Uh, I believe we still have a few more people who uh, have to pick up their book. We're down to the last, what, four or five. So if you ordered that book, yours is sitting here, ready to go. Make sure you stop by the Info Hub today and get that book. Do you have any student news to share with us? No, just that we're back to normal <coughs> schedule for a little bit. Uh, so 6 to 8 uh, this evening with Revive and High Schoolers, and then 6.30 to 8.30 on Wednesday with Refuge. So if you invited someone new today, this is one of those days, I love this, when you invite someone new to church. This is one of those days that when the day is done, you go, that wasn't anything like a normal service. Come back next week. All right? And, and we try to do that as little as possible. We really do. 
But every once in a while, you've got to do something that, um, that's unique to the life of what's happening in the church family. So if this is your first time, we welcome you, we love you, and we hope you come back next week too. <laughs> so um, we're, we're going to be doing something that goes along with Rooted. They have something that they call a prayer experience. And um, as, as I've looked at the different ways, different churches that are engaged with Rooted are doing the prayer experience, they do it all kinds of different ways. The book actually recommends that your group do a three-hour prayer experience together. I saw a three-hour prayer experience, and I'm like, there are going to be a lot of people catching COVID earlier that day. You know what I mean? There are going to be a lot of, yeah, I'm not doing three hours. That's not, that's not me. They're going to make me talk out loud. What do I do with that? So we looked at that and thought that that may not be the best approach. Some churches decide to do their prayer experience as a separate prayer meeting, uh, some, some churches do it as a, their group meets on like normally on Monday night, and then they're doing a prayer experience later in the week, which it sounds great, but you picked that night for a reason. So when we were looking at it for us, we said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do ours on Sunday morning. We're going to make the prayer experience part of our Sunday morning experience. So, so for the next three <clears> hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what will be interesting about the morning is that, like I said, it won't feel like normal. I think you will walk away with your spirit very much refreshed, but we're going to be taking a, a different, different approach than we normally do. So complete with comfy chairs for Dennis and Brian. So we're going to come over and have a seat if you don't mind. And um, I was telling the person who helped me move them in that this may become my new official preaching stance, yeah, right? who knows, because this is, this, if, I, if I drift off, just don't wake me, leave quietly, okay? <laughs> So, Michelle, take us to the, the prayer experience, and we're going to start walking through this. Um, I love the fact that they call it a prayer experience, rather than like, you know, if, if I say prayer meeting, an image comes to my mind uh, that, that, that kind of defines that's what prayer meeting looks like. But I love the word prayer experience because it's not only experiencing prayer, but we're really getting the chance to experience encountering God and encountering him in a unique way. And so what we're going to be doing this morning is, is trying to share with you some ways that you could pray as an individual, as well as prays that you might select to pray uh, if you're part of a small group. It's possible that your group after this morning comes together and says, we want to try that together as a group. Or maybe there's a group of people that you enjoy praying. And we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to give you some different tools, different ways that you can go about praying. So let me share three truths about prayer with you, first of all. And the first is this. There are few spiritual practices in the spiritual life that carry a greater amount of guilt than prayer. Uh, you know, of all the things we do as, as believers, when we start talking about our prayer life, most of us break immediately into confession. Yeah, I don't do that very much. Yeah, I don't do that as much as I should. We, we have a woulda, shoulda, oughta, coulda, mighta, didn't approach to prayer, right? I mean, it's all the time, oh, I wish I prayed more, oh, I wish I were a better prayer, all that stuff. And, and it's sad because it really, this is about communication with God, and I really think it's part of the work of the enemy to, to leave us in a place of, of guilt and shame that we're not spending more time in the presence of God. God just wants us to come talk to him. You know, you have a friend that you haven't talked to for a while, and you usually begin with something like, man, I'm so sorry, it's been so long. And your friend's like, great, whatever. Let's talk. Let's just talk. So, so I hope this morning will be a morning that you kind of, you put the woulda, shoulda, coulda, oughta, mighta, didn't aside and say, I'm doing it now. 
I'm coming to talk to you now, God. So it does. It brings about a lot of guilt. I think uh, when we talk about prayer, it, it, it's also one of the few spiritual practices that few, few spiritual practices carry a greater amount of anxiety than prayer. I say we're praying together as a church, and some of you are really, you're, you're trying to think of how you're going to be lied to the restroom for the next 40 minutes. What are they going to make us do? Are they going to make us grab a mic and pray out loud? Are they going to break us into huddles? What, what's going to happen? Am I going to have to pray in front of other people? And then you have the whole thing that we all, we all come from different uh, backgrounds and experiences with prayer. So some of you come from, you come from a liturgical background where as a little kid, you memorize some prayers. If I said, Our Father, you'd break in. Boom, you're ready to go. You're used to the memorized prayer. You're used to those well-worn tracks. And they're wonderful tracks. It's great when a church, when, when someone up front can say a couple of words and the whole church breaks into the same words together. It's beautiful. And you come to a church like ours, and, and we come from what would be called a free church uh, tradition. So we're into free-form prayer. So it starts with, Dear Heavenly Father, and we just start to talk. And at some point we say, in Jesus' name, amen. And people who come from a, a, a liturgical background go, what just happened here? And I'll never be able to do that. And I hear it every time. Every time I'm like, I'll never be able to pray as good as her. I'll never be able to pray like him, whatever. And, and, and there's, that, there's that apprehension about, how do I just go ahead and pray? And I got to tell you, Real honestly, okay? Some of you, when you're in prayer with me, you're afraid that the professor's there grading your prayer. Um, God's the one you pray to, not Dennis. Let's remember that, okay? But when people pray who have not free-formed prayer before, I love it. It's some of the most beautiful, fresh, authentic prayer. It just, because it's just a speaking of the heart to God. I love that. Not too long ago, I was asked to be a part of dedicating a, a, a room for a spiritual, for a, uh, for a leader, a friend. And, um, and they asked me to do the dedication prayer. And so I prayed. And when I was done, somebody said, would you mind sending me a copy of that prayer? And I went, uh, I just prayed. And they're like, are you kidding me? You just prayed that? And it's not like it was the most beautiful prayer ever, but here's a person who's not used to those well-worn tracks of prayer. So it does, it raises anxiety, but I think it's a good anxiety because we're being pressed and challenged in different ways to grow in our prayer life. Final thing, final truth about prayer. Few practices of the spiritual life carry a greater amount of urgency than prayer. God wants you to be talking to him. I, I, here's, here's what's disappointing about the way we approach prayer, and by we, I'm in this. We approach prayer as a last resort rather than a first response. When all else fails, pray. <laughs> pray first, pray middle, pray last, pray always. God's the one doing the work. We, get, we under, are under this delusion that we are Santa's elves, you know, that we're the ones doing all the work, and every once in a while we got to check in to make sure we made the toy right. No, no. Prayer is truly the greatest thing the believer can do. It is the most important thing. It is the urgent thing. Paul in Ephesians 6 is talking about the, the armor of God. He says, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all the armor of God. He's talking about all of it. Why? 
Because our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against what we see. It's not against that politician you can't stand, whatever. That's not the battle. Our battle is against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world. It's against mighty powers in the dark world. It's against evil spirits in heavenly places. The way you fight and heavenly battle is with heavenly weaponry. And the two greatest weapons that God has given us in this heavenly battle, the sword of the Spirit, he's given us the Word of God, and he's given us prayer. He's given us the ability to communicate with him. He says, pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion, not last resort, first response, always response. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. He even goes on to say, would you please pray for me? And I love this because I think of Paul as just a, this is a guy who's not afraid to say anything to anyone. And he says, pray that I will be bold. He asks for boldness. That boldness did not just come naturally. That boldness came through God himself. So wherever you are in prayer today, I think those are some realities we all face what I'd like to do this morning is, is engage the, the pattern of prayer that Rooted is recommended, and I think it's beautiful. I think it's one that you could start engaging in your own prayer life, and it's one that you could engage in groups that you're with, with other people. They talk about three movements of prayer, three different ways that we move through a time of prayer. Are the movements are to look up, to look in, and to look out. To look up to heaven, to look up to God. To look in, to see where I am in my relationship with God, and to look out into a lost and broken world and praying prayers in that way. So, so we're going to walk through these. And, and when I pray, there are a few things that, that I like to do, not every time, but from time to time. Some tools that help me. Because when I'm praying, the Bible tells me I am entering the throne room of God. You need to think about that for a moment. I don't know if you've ever walked into anywhere important, like, you know, the back room at Walmart or something like that. But you're, you're walking into the throne, of the throne room of the authority of the universe. So I think it's really important that we set our minds in such a way that we go, I am entering the presence of God. And, and for me, having some practices that help me with that, that just remind me, I'm doing something different right now. I'm not about to go mow the lawn. I'm about to go talk to God. So I, I do enjoy sometimes just lighting a candle. Nothing magic about the candle. This isn't my Holy Spirit candle or something like that. It's just, it just it's different. It reminds me. I use candles at birthdays and for prayer. Um, I, I like, we, we give these at Palm Sunday. Having something to hold in the hands, a cross, some sort of reminder is helpful. I, I think one of the things it does is just if we can keep our body active engage, and engaged in some way, even just holding something, it keeps our mind a little bit more alert. So, so it's good to have something in hand. And then one of the things that's great to have in hand is the Word of God because I really believe that the best of our prayer comes not just when we talk, but when we actually engage with what's going on in the Word of God. So I'd be encouraging you in a time of prayer. Have a Bible close by. Have a Bible close by and use that sometimes as literally the script of your prayer. And, and so we're going to start with the look up. The look up is focusing first on the greatness and goodness of God. We just have our eyes on who he is and what he's about. This isn't just me running in and handing my grocery list to somebody and saying, would you please take care of this for me? 
I'm engaged in a relationship with the God of the universe, and so I want, I want to be fully aware that I'm coming into the presence of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, he's there all the time, right? But we're not always aware of it. So this is a moment that I'm becoming very aware of being present with God. We're going to look at Hebrews 4 several times this morning. It ends by saying, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help when we need it most. You are literally right now walking into God's presence. You ready for that? Dirty, clean, it doesn't matter. Just come. Just come. So as we move into the presence of God, we're going to move in by focusing on God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Brian has literally no preparation for this morning. And I did that on purpose, not just because I'm last minute. I did it on purpose because I want him to experience this morning the way you're experiencing this morning. It's a good thing that the microphone is up here and not down here. So let's begin with Psalm 8. And Psalm 8 is going to be our focus on God the Father. You can decide if you want to bow your head or you can look up at the screen. It's up to you. But I want you to engage in Scripture, and as you do, I want you to be thinking about God your Father. O Lord, our Lord, how majest your majestic name fills the earth. It fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You've taught children. You've taught infants. The kids down the hallway. You taught them to tell of your strength. And, and that telling silences your enemies and all who oppose you. When I got the opportunity to lay on the grass and look up into the night sky, when I see the work of your fingers, when I realize, when I look at those stars, that you just, you spoke, and they happened. You took this moon and these stars and you put them in place. Why in the world would you take three seconds to think about me? all the important things in this world. Why in the world would you take two seconds to think about human beings? You show us the majesty and beauty of everything in this world and help us to realize that we are the crowning achievement of your creation. Thank you. You made human beings a little lower than you. You crowned us with glory and honor. You gave us charge over everything you made, putting all things under, your, under, the, under the authority of humans, the flocks and herds, the wild animals, the birds, the sky, the fish in the sea, everything that swims, the ocean currents. Oh, Lord. Father in heaven, your majestic name fills the earth. Take a moment right now to quietly reflect on a Father in heaven who loves you. There's a line I love to use as I prepare for prayer. Behold God beholding you and smiling. Just like a mom or dad watching a toddler walk into the room, God is smiling as you, look, as you walk into his room. We move to Jesus, the Son of God. Paul says in Philippians, 
We're to have the same attitude Jesus did. We're to think the same way. We're to focus the same way. And even though Jesus was God, he didn't look at that equality with God and think, I can't let go of this. This is mine. This belongs to me. Instead, he put aside all his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He became lower than all of us. Born as a human being, he appeared in human form, and he humbled himself in obedience to die a criminal's death on a cross. Unimaginable. And because of that, God our Father elevated him to the highest place of honor. He gave him a name above all names that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In your heart, talk to Jesus right now. Thank him for dying for you. Thank him for supporting you through the deepest struggle of your life right now. Thank him that he's sitting right next to you and loving you. We move to the Spirit. Jesus said, this is the Spirit. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate. He'll give you someone else who speaks on your behalf. He'll never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you in all truth. Every truth is exposed to you by the Spirit of God. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. It doesn't even recognize him. But we know him because he lives in us. He lives with us and he lives in us. Jesus says, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me since I live. You will live also. Jesus goes on to say, all who love me will do what I say. Obedience and love go hand in hand. My Father will love them and he will come and make his home with each of us. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm with you. But when the Father sends the, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Isn't it amazing to think right now that the Holy Spirit is constantly prompting you to remember what God wants. He's always tapping, always tapping at that door, always reminding. Welcome the Holy Spirit to have power over your life right now. Tell him, Spirit, I'm yours. Tell him, lead me as you will. Tell him to show you the truth you need to be shown even if it's a truth you do not want to see. 
Ask him to empower you to obey God, to obey Jesus, to obey the Word. We look up right now, God. We look up to you. We focus on you. So if this were a time of prayer alone or even with a smaller group, we might at this point play a song. And I gave you a great list. If you need to, pull out your phone and take a picture. Songs like 10,000 Reasons, Awake My Soul, Even So Come, Good, Good Father. King of Kings is the one, Praise the Father, Praise the Son, Praise the Spirit, three in one. This, I believe, is just the expression of the, of the Apostles' Creed. What a beautiful name or wonder. All of these are songs that lift our eyes to focus on God. So, so beginning prayer that way, how does that maybe feel different than the way you normally pray or what is that like? I mean, I feel more prepared, more centered is a, a hippie, hippie word. Right. But like, <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm more slowed. You know, here I, I talked about my, my heart was pounding mm-hmm. and it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, the recognition, that, the recognition of, of God, who he is, the Holy Spirit, who he is. And then, like you said, if you took that into to then not just reading it, but listening to it as you enter into the, the next movement. That is, it's really powerful. Good. Yeah, so getting our eyes up, this isn't just talking to the wind. This isn't just a, you know, a mantra or something I'm quoting. I'm talking to the God of heaven. And after having our eyes focused up, I think like Isaiah, we have the experience of we, we see God and we say, woe is me, I am undone. We, we look at ourselves and go, oh my word, I'm in the presence of God. Am I ready for this? God wants us there. He wants us to look in. We look in by focusing on God's truth and what he reveals both about who he is and about what he is calling us to become. Hebrews 4 talks about the fact that the word of God is alive and powerful sharper than the sharpest sword, cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It exposes the innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. He is the one to whom we are accountable. The Holy Spirit, or the, the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to show us the real us. It shows us the real us. There are a couple of ways that you can use the word of God to be shown the real you. I believe that the Bible, when we read the Bible, every verse of the Bible, every paragraph, every chapter has a singular meaning. It doesn't have multiple meanings. It has one meaning, one interpretation. And having said that, every verse, every passage of the Bible has multiple implications and applications. So we may all read the same singular truth, but based on where we are in our walk at the time, our experience, whatever it is, we may be hit differently by that. There's a verse in in Psalm 90 that says, teach us to number our days aright that we may grow in wisdom. I read that very differently at 19 than I do at almost 59. In fact, now I'm numbering my days and going, ooh, not many left. Back then I numbered my days and said, ah, I got plenty of time. Even different application, same truth. 
There are different applications to the truth all the time. Think beyond that, too. We can read Scripture sometimes, and, and God, will, God will use the truth that's being spoken there, but sometimes He'll literally use just a sentence or just a word to grab us. So in, in one of the groups we were in the other night, somebody was talking about their experience with, with Genesis 1, and they came across a singular word, and, they, and they, they expressed it this way. I'm going to say it this way. That word took me and flipped me on the wrestling mat and worked me over that word. Now, that really wasn't the intent of the word in Scripture. But if this is, if this is a real conversation with God, sometimes just a word will take us somewhere. You're talking to somebody, you're having a great conversation, and they're telling you something, and all of a sudden your brain goes, oh, shoot, i got to go Home Depot. <laughs> that had nothing to do with the intent of their conversation. But, but they said something that reminded you, oh, i got to go pick up those little felt things for the chair. I think that's what God does sometimes with his word. He'll literally, while we're reading the full sentence, there will be a word that will go, what? And we'll stop and we'll focus there a little bit. So I want to encourage you both to read for meaning, but sometimes to pray just for the word, just for the sentence, just for the idea that God in a conversation will bring to your mind. You'll take the time to read what Scripture says. Helps to read a shorter passage, but it doesn't have to be short. Read it over once, maybe read it over again and read it over again. Hearing it out loud helps. In fact, I'd encourage you to have Dwell read it to you. Reflect on it. What's the word that stands out? Pray over that word. Talk to God about that word and just contemplate, contemplate. God, where do you want to go with this? What I find sometimes, sometimes I do this and I go, yeah, I got nothing. And sometimes I do this and I go, oh my word, and that thing will sit with me for days. So I love this. Um, John Beaker pointed this verse out to me earlier this week and, and it's a beautiful verse. Um, so personal. Hear me as I pray, O oh Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me and my heart responds Lord I am coming think of scripture as a conversation coming your way not a textbook but a conversation coming your way God wants to talk to you so uh, four psalms that I think are really great to reflect on and all the Bible's good all right Psalm 88 I love Psalm 88 because it's a psalm of a man that's being afflicted and he ends by saying I am all alone I am alone. Psalm 90, this prayer of Moses that reflects on life in all his fullness. Psalm 103 that talks about um, forgiveness, the forgiveness that we have in God. Psalm 139 that, that takes us to places of thinking about the way we've been created. And so, um, I, I, you haven't seen them. Which psalm would you pick? Which would you like us to do? Let's go 103. 103. All right. So, again, in interest of time, if we had three hours, I would read Psalm 103 a few times, but we don't have three hours. Here are the words. I'm, I'm not having them on the screen because I want you to hear them. And I want you to listen for maybe a word or a phrase that stands out to you. 
hear God speaking to you. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my innermost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed just like an eagle. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger. And he's so rich with love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to the worst of our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love of God for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He remembers how we're formed. He made us. He knows we're made of dust. He knows we're frail. He knows that our life is like grass, like a, like a flower that flourishes in the field, and the wind blows over it, and it's gone, and its place isn't even remembered anymore. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness is with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, all you angels, every one of you mighty ones in heaven doing his bidding and obey his word. Praise the Lord, every heavenly host, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in all his dominion. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Again, that's a little longer passage. It's 22 verses. But nonetheless, it's got a pretty unified theme. Was there a word or a phrase that, that grabbed you? Could you go back to... Mm -hmm. Is it crowns with love and compassion? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, for whatever reason, the word crowns. Because hmm. uh, the, then that carried through um, the whole thought process for me, too. A, a crowning, a coronation, is a special service. It is something that it's an honor bestowed upon you, and we don't deserve it. We can also reject it. And throughout that, you know, you see the our iniquities. We see our, our life on full display, and yet he chooses to continue to give us love, compassion, forgiveness, everything that we need. Um, and so it's a, it's a beautiful way of showing what we, what we are given, and then it's up to us to, to actually willingly accept it. It's great. If this were a more uh, personal setting, there were 10 or 12 of us, 
I'd actually have you break off in twos and tell each other the word or the phrase and do exactly what Brian just did. Just talk about it and reflect on it. But, but it's amazing. I, I, I can be honest with you, Crown didn't hit me at all. Didn't hit me at all. And then I hear the way it hit you and I went, why didn't it hit me? That is, that's incredible. I love it. It's beautiful. So you can do this. You can take scripture and again, you don't want to avoid the meeting. But sometimes God will grab you with a word or phrase because of where you are right now, and it'll take you somewhere with that. Another piece of looking in is um, looking at where we are with God, looking at the dirt of our heart, and asking for forgiveness. That Hebrews 4 passage says, So then, since we have a great high priest who entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet we do, that he did not sin. Every time I see that verse, he faced every temptation I have. Every one. It's not like some were, oh, Jesus would never think that. Jesus would never. Every temptation and because of that, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive mercy, find that grace to help us when we need it most. So I want us to reflect on Galatians chapter 5, and I will put this on the screen. Starts by saying, so I say, let, us, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Right now, just, just ask him, Spirit, guide me. It says to let him. Spirit, guide me. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, <clears throat> dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone who, who is living consistently in that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Look at that list. Is there something the Spirit calls to your attention right now that you need to say, God, I am sorry. Jesus, forgive me. Now, if you look at the list and say, nope, I'm good, add pride. <laughs> Whatever sin it is you bring into this room today, would you give it to Jesus right now? Forgive me. Forgive me. I want to be clean. Forgive me. I want to stop. Empower me. Those who belong to Christ 
have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. You ask for that forgiveness, you're walking up to the cross of Jesus, you're taking a nail and you're going, sin, you stay there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of each other. I jumped a verse. Let's go to the opposite side. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. On the opposite side of confession, would you look at these right now? And maybe there's one of them that you look at that you can say, God, thank you that you're growing that in me right now. Let him crown you. Let him affirm that you're seeing some growth in this particular area. Think about it for a moment. Every year that I get a little older, I'm grateful that God continues to grow gentleness in me. I came from a rough and gruff family and was trained in rough and gruff. And God grows gentleness. Thank Him for what He's growing in you. So what a great time now to take that inward look the inward look of sin forgiven as well as the inward look of a spirit that is compelling you to live a life that pleases God. And take that inward look to think about those words that we've been looking at throughout this series. Let your roots grow down in him. Let your lives be built on him. And with those words in our mind and heart, we're going to walk to communion. We've changed up communion a little bit this week. We've, we've grown a little bit and we're causing traffic jams at the tables. So we have two tables up front, and then we have three full tables at the back that all have regular communion. And we have two gluten-frees on the sides of the stage, and there's a gluten-free not too far from where Bob is with the camera. There's a table back there. So you have all kinds of different places to go to receive communion. Go get it, and as you do, Express gratitude to God for the forgiveness you've received as well as the way that he is growing you. Go receive communion.
So we've looked up. We've looked in. And now the final movement is to look out. Looking out. We look out that his kingdom would come, his will would be done. We look out to have our hearts transformed. We look out at the world around us. And in the looking out, I'm going to return you to the same verse again and again and again. As we bring our prayers to God for this world, I'd encourage you to wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. This is a waiting game. We are bringing God's desires to him, and he has a way and a will. We're agreeing with his will. We're asking him, your kingdom come, your will be done. But you know what happens more often than not when we pray that prayer? We see no change. He's still at work. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. So I encourage you to pray four different prayers as you look out. One is to pray holy desires. Holy desires are the things that God presses on your heart. And what I love about this is he presses something differently on you than me. And I think the reason he does that is because if every holy desire was upon one of us, we would explode. (laughs) We couldn't handle it. God gives us different views, different different things that he says, "This this is the burden I want you to carry with me. So let me give you a few of the holy desires that that rise in my heart. I pray often for little kids who are in households where they are not loved, where they are abused, where they are sexually abused, where they live in fear every night that somebody might come into their room and hurt them. It breaks my heart, and it breaks the heart of God. pray on a regular basis for the kids who have been rescued from those situations and it feels like they've been rescued but the marks and scars are still there the pain is still there I pray on a regular basis for 40 something 50 something and 60 something year old men and women who finally for the first time in their life say that happened to me They lived in silence for so long. And to have to finally say out loud to somebody else, that happened to me. So important. I'm amazed at how many times it happens when the person is 50. They carried it for decades. I pray a holy desire for our church. We were founded 100 years ago by chalky white Swedish immigrants. I mean, they were white. And then they hired a Polish-Hungarian pastor who can at least get a good tan. But he's still white. And people walk into our church just like we were immigrants years ago. People walk into our church who are immigrants by nature, I'm sorry, by choice or by force. They came here because they wanted to or because they didn't want to. And they look around And they see a church that looks a little bit like those chalky white Swedes and they wonder, 
Will I be welcome here? Will I be loved here? Will I be accepted here? My holy desire is not that um, we would be some expression of a new evangelical woke, woke, messed up theology. That's just garbage. But that they would see that the way we live and the way we love and the way that we accept is an expression of what's been in the Bible all along. That this is what God wants for his church. That, that, There will come a day that every nation, every time, every tongue will gather, not at separate times, separate places, all over the place, all together in the presence of Jesus and worship together. And I want to practice. I want to practice. Holy desire. One other holy desire. I have a holy desire that people will grow a much greater appreciation for the beauty of masculinity and femininity. God created both. And both are an expression of a perfect God. And we live in a world that is trying to destroy both. It refers to masculinity as toxic. It refers to femininity as weak. And it's a distortion of God's holy desire for his people and for the world. It's messing us up. It's not making us better. These are holy desires. You have a holy desire that God presses on you. Now comes the paper. One of your pieces of paper has lines on it. You can write down one, two, 20 holy desires. I don't care. Write them right now. God sees them. Maybe you're like, I, don't, I can't write that word on paper in church. Then put an X, you know, some symbol. Write your holy desire to God. What's your, and by the way, don't just rewrite what Dennis said. Write your holy desire to God. How ironic that we would be writing holy desires and holy, holy, holy comes up. Remember, as you're writing this, this is a prayer. Now, you're not having to write, dear Heavenly Father, but God sees what you're writing. This is a prayer you're lifting to Him right now. Even though you're not saying it, you're writing it. He sees it. He knows it. patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. You may not see that holy desire come true in your lifetime. God still wants you to engage his heart and pray it. 
The second area of looking out is heart transformations. There are people that we pray for all the time, people that are, if they died right now, they would live apart from Jesus forever. There are people who are stuck in the bondage of addiction, and no matter what we say, no matter what we do, no matter how many times they get treatment, they're right back there all over again. There are people who are just mean. There are people who are just sad. There's someone who needs a heart transformation. That's what the blank post-it is for. Who in your life needs a transformation? Now, you may be hesitant to write their name and put initials. You can put God you know. Who in your life needs a heart transformation? Write it on that piece of paper. You can write more than one. You can write yourself. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. It's the Spirit who does the convicting and the transformation, not us. You haven't just written down an assignment and it's your job to go tell them how bad they are or wrong they are. You're letting the Spirit of God do His work. The third is the white piece of paper. These are your heavy burdens. These are the prayers that if you're old enough, you've prayed for years. Years and years and years. And you keep waiting, God, when, when, when. You can write it as clearly as you want, or you can write it cryptically. Do what you've got to do. You can make a picture. Do whatever you want. What's that heavy burden that you carry all the time? that heavy burden that you just wish God would lift. You wish you'd finally see a change. Something has to break. When you sing something has to break, that's what you would write on the paper. Something has to break. If you need more time, you know, feel free to just sit and you can, you can linger for a minute or two after the service and continue to write on any of those. But wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. So this is the way we're going to close.
We're going to close by moving around the room and then walking away. You're going to take those three pieces of paper, if you want. Maybe you wrote something so personal that there's no way you want it out there. It's up to you. God sees it. God knows. What I'd love for you to do is take the lined one, your holy desires, and I want you to bring it to where you normally take communion wherever you do. And I want you to put your holy desires on the wall. And they're going to sit there now through the end of Rooted. This wall, this wall, if you're up here, above the tables, anywhere. And every time you come to communion over the next several weeks, you're going to look and you're going to see that holy desire and you're going to be reminded of it. I want you to take that person that needs a transformation and I want you to put them somewhere on the side walls that you will be able to see it during church. And that when you're sitting there and uh, I'm talking or we're singing or whatever, you'll look over and you'll be prompted to pray one more time. God, you see him over there? Please, bring about change. Then the white paper. Beautiful story in the Bible about a man named Hezekiah. The nation is under attack. His letter is sent to him by a king. And that letter comes to him, and um, I'm causing Bob Fitz. I'm sorry. The letter comes to him, I just realized. The letter comes to him, and he brings it into the temple, and he lays it on the altar. The Bible says he spread it out before the Lord. Early 2000, I had a really good friend who worked for us here at church, came to know Jesus through our church. She got pancreatic cancer. And one day while I was working, I looked out into the sanctuary. She was up at the altar. And she had her death sentence in her hand. She had the report. She just laid it out before the Lord. So I encourage you to take that somewhere along the platform. Lay it before the Lord. Now one other thing. If you ever get the chance to go to the weeping wall in Jerusalem that wall that is the base of the old temple, you'll see people, they twirl their prayers and put them in cracks in the wall. But then I love this part. They'll come over to that prayer and they'll just put their hand there and they'll pray. And so as you put the prayer there today, you put the prayer there today, you put the prayer there today, Put your hand on it and pray. Put your hand on it and pray. I will give you all the time you need. In fact, Dave, Michelle, we won't go to the video. Just keep this music playing, bring it up a little bit. And um, place your post-its, your prayers, your prayers, where we've talked about, and then you're free to leave. And take the spirit of prayer with you. Father God in heaven, 
we bring our prayers to you. You see them, you know them. We invite your interaction with us as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.